This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. David Harsanyi is with us now. He's a senior editor at The Federalist. His latest piece, Donald Trump ate some steak and the media had a cow about it. Moo. What's up, David? Not much. I mean, a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot going on. Very much so. Uh, so t- tell us about the tell us about steak gate, because now we have to put gate after everything. That's a temporary scandal. Right. Well, as 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 your listeners probably know, um, Donald Trump snuck away from the protective press pool to grab a steak at 21 or a hamburger and uh, everyone went nuts. I mean, I can't even I couldn't even collect all the pieces that 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 sort of these overwrought pieces about how awful it was that he had snuck around the press and how important it was for our liberties and the First Amendment. The problem, of course, is, as usual, and I'm sure we'll be doing this quite often, Barack Obama did the same exact thing, and at the time, no one cared at all about it. Why do you think this double standard exists, Mr. Hassani? <laughs> um I actually, I, you know, listen, I think it exists because uh, most of the press is liberal, but I actually think that uh, it's fine uh, for them to go after Donald Trump on this. It's not fine that they let Obama get away with everything. I mean, he was in Hawaii. He snuck away from the press pool with his daughters to go watch some dolphins or whatever. No one cared. He snuck away at a G20, uh, G20 meeting in Canada to play some golf. And there was a little bit of pushback, but nothing like this. And I think uh, we should be prepared for Donald Trump, who I am not a huge fan of, to be treated truly unfairly, as he might say, by the press. Yeah, he's been saying it all along. And and I have to say, since he's become president, that has definitely been the case, whether people want to agree with it during the primary and uh, and the general election or not. They are they're in total freakout mode about him. I mean, this is I was just talking before the break, David about the New York Times writing a piece on how international students are worried about their safety if they attend universities in America. I don't even know. I can't even connect the dots there. They'll be unsafe because of what? Like what, 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 they, they think that there's going to be anarchy in the streets and we're going to turn into some sort of dystopian country where we end up eating each other because it's what? What's the problem? That's what they make. I mean, that's what liberals have ginned up this moral panic about. Um, violence in the street against all kinds of minorities. A lot of these stories they were they were sort of sending around turned out to be hoaxes and fakes. And I'm sorry if international students don't want to come here, then they can stay where they are. I mean, I'd like I, I want people to feel that they're safe here and free here, and I think they are. Uh, but you know, every you know, I think that no matter which Republican would have won, there would have been a freakout. Obviously, I think it's a little bit more with Donald Trump, but uh, it is. 
disconcerting how crazy everyone's gotten over his election. I mean, it, it, it's amazing that people can't understand that government is more than the president, that nothing's going to happen to them, uh, that, you know, I guess maybe because they felt like Obama was sort of that sort of uh, authoritarian, I guess they feel like everyone could back that way. I think it's interesting that the uh, and this was I talked about this a little bit in the first hour of the show today, the language on campuses about safe spaces and how people actually I think uh, well, I think Ben Shapiro was giving a speech just yesterday. And I, from what I saw on Twitter, someone stood up and yelled, you know, I'm not safe or this makes me feel unsafe or something. And this has become the sort of ultimate heckler's veto on campus, right? That just the mere speech that one could give or the, the words that one can say create a, create physical insecurity, feelings of physical insecurity, like I'm about to be attacked. It really equates speech you don't like with a, with a form of assault. Um, and now we see that this is actually what a lot of people are saying. When I say a lot, I mean, this is a widespread meme. This is like trending on Twitter and Facebook and such about Donald Trump. People are saying that they, th- you know, whether it's the LBGT community or uh, different minority groups, they're saying, I don't feel safe. And I always want to ask, you may not like his policy, but why do you feel unsafe? What about him makes you unsafe? I, it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I think... Listen, in my own kid's school district, I have gotten two emails from the superintendent saying there are counselors available for children, children in high school and in junior high school or middle school who feel unsafe about the election or have concerns about the election. And it, it, it's like we, we're becoming – I mean, we used to care, and I think everyone at least pretended to care about free expression – and to limit free expression to things that are only safe means we have no free expression. So uh, I wish there were a pushback against this, and there is, I guess, a little bit from the left, because it's, it's a dangerous way to view freedom. In fact, it is unfree. And, you know, when I was in college, I was sort of, and I'm not saying I was better than anyone else, but I was sort of open to wild ideas, or I wanted to hear new ideas. And today, it just doesn't seem like most kids are that way. And maybe my impression's wrong, but it just seems like, a, 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 you know, these people are going to be adults and voting soon. And it really sort of worries me that they'll be in charge of my future. Right. There seems to have been a change from not liking something to being able to designate it as 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 threatening. Um, and this has it always starts on the campuses. And as you said, at the schools, and then it sort of infects the broader society. I, I think we're already there. And you have people who otherwise seem like uh, maybe not reasonable, but functioning adults who are in some cases, you know, actors and such, uh, very successful in their fields, and they are they are being hysterical in the in the not funny sense. They're being hysterical in the sense of there is really this tremendous anxiety as to what's going to happen to them. I saw a march of thousands of people down the street, uh, right next to where I live, David, and there were people crying out about how. That was the main thing about how they don't feel safe anymore. I, 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 and it brings me back to, well, what would, what would make these delicate snowflakes all feel safe? What, what do we need to do for them? You live in New York, right? Yeah. So let me just say, when I, I grew up in New York, right? So when I was a young, I think there were, what, like 2,500 murders in, Manhattan, you know, in New York City. Every yeah, year. it was unsafe. <laughs> it was very unsafe. Um, which was kind of um, an adventure sometimes and fun in a weird, kind of demented way, I guess. But it is extremely safe now, and it's much safer because there's law and there's order. And um, 
It's, it's like I, a new uh, hate crime statistic thing came out the other day from the FBI that listed um, all the hate crimes and all the headlines said there's a 60% spike in crimes against Muslims and this and that. When it's boiled down, there were two, out of a nation of 300 million people, there were 257 hate crimes against Muslims in the entire country. And of that, only a small, small amount were violent crimes, some vandalism. Obviously, none of this is okay. Actually, I think it tells us that we are one of the most tolerant places in the world, considering that all the kinds of people who live together here. This is completely unique in history. It's never happened anywhere else. Even today, it never happens anywhere. We are tolerant. And uh, it's very hard for the left to come to grasp with that because it kind of undermines their whole at least in the recent years, their whole idea that we are this racist, sexist nation. I, I just don't buy it. Well, th- there's so. a very it's, it's a very important silencing tool as well, because if they can create the perception that certain views are tied to violent acts and to assaults, it's easier than to say, as my understanding is BuzzFeed takes this position, right, that, that on some issues there's no two sides and mm-hmm. even on political issues, on issues where there clearly are two sides. Uh, but this is a means of shutting down the discussion entirely because you say that uh, this comes up often. And, and I've had to deal with this over at CNN after terrorist attacks when speaking about uh, the roots of jihadism in Islam openly. It, it, well, that, that this means that people are going to go burn down a mosque and they're going to hurt people and it's on you. And right. this has become kind of a default setting for the left. And on this on the Trump victory, some of the stuff they're pointing, I mean, it's just pathetic. I mean, it's, it's you know, Southern Poverty Law Center on its site has, you know, a woman was walking down the street and somebody yelled, you know, get out of here, you know, you effing foreigner or something. And OK, I mean, that that's the, the we're all this is the dark night of terror now. I mean, you got to be kidding me again. Not that that's OK, but like this is a national crisis. And to compare that to like Nazi Germany and stuff, which is often done. I mean, it's just so insulting. But, you know. Here's the thing. I think the argument has gone from debating a point to just debating your intention. So they can see what your real intentions are no matter what you say. You are a hater. So if I say to – if I argue with a woman on Twitter, let's say she will say I'm mansplaining things to her. If I argue with someone who isn't white – You mansplainer, you. Yeah. I'm a white – you know, I have white – what's it called? Um, White privilege. Privilege, right. So like my, what I'm saying doesn't matter. Who I am only matters. And it's, it really undermines discourse and debate in this country. And it is essentially a tool now for most of the left. I mean, that, you know, when you read these pieces, it's all about every voter uh, who, who was for Donald Trump, you know, is now considered part of white supremacy, a racist. It is, it's really destructive because I feel like there's no debate anymore, really. They've stopped debating and they just are... Uh, accusing you of being a hater. And where do you go from there? I'm not even sure how you can answer something like that. You can't prove you're not. Uh, so, you know, the debate is over. Do you think that there there was a, a sense that set in among the left that with eight years of Obama and Hillary sort of on on deck waiting to take over, that it was just going to be, you know, clear CO2 free progressive skies for the foreseeable future? And that that's and, and that this is part of the shock that has set in for all of them? Well, I think there's always this notion when you're in charge that you're going to be in charge forever. Uh, you know, I think Karl Rove had said once, you know, the, the permanent ma- ruling majority or something like that. I, I think I was shocked at Donald Trump once. I, I can't imagine what uh, the media was. But, yeah, I think they're shocked. I think they thought that this that it had been over, that they were going to run the Supreme Court um, and that uh, conservatism was essentially dead. Now, 
I'm not sure how great conservatism is going to be doing moving forward, but things have drastically changed. So I think they're still sort of coming to terms. There, you know, one, one day I have to write a column about all like the stages that people go through after losing an election, but they're still in the conspiracy theory stage about why they lost it. I think one, some of them will snap out of it and try to come up with a better plan. And there's supposed to be the data, the science, the well, the data and science people, according to what they say about themselves. You know, they can they can vox explain anything to you if you give them enough time. Uh, and you know, Nate Silver is revered as like a as like a god of numbers. M- meanwhile, the the data shows that people that voted for Obama actually came out this time, and at least areas that went for Obama, assuming similar voters, went out and voted for Trump this go around. That that seems to indicate that the whole oh it was all racism and and it was a backlash from whites is wildly overplayed in the media's mind. I mean, these are people who voted for Obama, who are now voting sure. for Trump in some cases. I, I think the problem is we we put maybe first of all I think social science science should always be in quotation marks. Yeah, there's no but. such thing as social science, and that's I'm a political science major from college, so I, I like saying that. Even even regression analysis, David, doesn't change that fact. We. Yeah, right. We, 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 we can use it to help us try to understand the world. I think that that's true, but it's not a definitive science. There's no answer for why people win or lose elections. And I think there are a million reasons why people vote the way they do, not one or two. Everyone runs after an election to, to point to it and say, this proves everything I thought before this election even happens. I mean, I think that lots of people had different reasons to vote. I mean, I think a driving factor here, if you look at a lot of these races, Republicans, sort of traditional conservative types like Marco Rubio or McCain, people who weren't even big Trump guys at all, outran Trump. So I think this is part of a larger backlash against what progressives have done during the Obama administration generally. I mean, but there are a million other reasons as well, probably, and I don't think we can quantify them or point a finger at them, but clearly racism was not the overriding reason, because then, as you said, all these counties that went for Obama and turned would not have. And uh, I think, I, I forget exactly, but I think Trump did better with minority. most He did. He did better than, with blacks Romney. and Hispanics than Romney did. Right. And, There's got to be a reason for that. So, right. You know. And well, meanwhile, the, the biggest objection the left has to Trump is what a racist he is. And he did better among racial minority groups than the previous Republican candidate, I think, than McCain, too, but definitely than Romney. Right. And, and listen, I think that there are some troublesome voices that latched on to Donald Trump. And I think Donald Trump says a lot of dumb things sometimes. But overall, I think just saying he's a racist and calling Steve Bannon an anti-Semite because his wife in divorce proceedings said he was is a bit much. And, and you know, and sort of outside the sort of thing that real news organizations should be reporting in the way that they do. I don't know that any of that's true. And I think that because they report things that way, people no longer trust them at all. And, uh, you know, that's another one of the problems, I think, that's going on. I also was expecting, and I'll just ask you this, and then I'll, I know you've got other things you've got you to do, David, but uh, having fun chatting with you, so we've gone a little long here. I also feel like after the, the all-out character assassination campaign against Trump, based on racism, misogyny, xenophobia, Islamophobia, all that stuff. After that failed, maybe the media would sort of take a time out before they went, no, that's, they're, they're, now that's Bannon, now that's this advisor, it's that advisor. They're just running that playbook on everyone around Trump. I don't think they've really gotten the memo yet that we are perhaps becoming numb and maybe even better than that, becoming a little bit more immune to haphazard charges of racism, which would be a great thing. Oh, I think so. I, I mean, I, I noticed this a little bit, and I'm sort of mad at myself for not seeing it, the bigger picture, but I noticed this last midterm where a lot of the war on women stuff didn't really work anymore. 
uh, Cory Gardner, for instance, in Colorado, who was senator now, was the, the entire thrust of the campaign against him was uh, the war on women stuff, and people didn't buy it. And that's a that's a democratic state, basically. So um, I think that people are becoming immune to that and numb to it. I think it maybe helps their side, you know, maybe feel better about what they're doing. But I don't think independents fall for it, and I definitely don't think. And I think when you call everyone a racist, no one is a racist in the sense that if you say everyone who voted for Trump is a racist, then a lot of people don't even feel threatened by that anymore because they're part of this giant group that they know most people aren't racist and they don't, they, they don't care if you call them that anymore. So, yeah, I think I think you're definitely right about that. And uh, but it doesn't seem like they've changed. I mean, that's their main argument post-election. So I don't know where that leaves them or where that leaves us as a country. Yeah. I mean, I voted for Trump, and I love everybody. David Harsanyi <laughs> is a senior editor at The Federalist. You can follow him at David Harsanyi on Twitter and check out his pieces on thefederalist.com. David, great to have you, sir. Talk to you soon. Always fun. Thanks. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.